Let's find our posture for this practice. any adjustments that are needed or helpful so that the body feels as supported, stable, steady and balanced as possible. we're doing that we're already inviting the awareness into the body and the attuning to the body taking a moment or a few moments to feel the contact the immediacy of the contact between the body and the seat the body and the ground. Letting awareness root and gather anchor in these sensations of contact. Just as the body is supported, rests, roots into that contact. From that rootedness, from that support, the sense of the body resting into the support, inviting awareness to gently open and spread through the body space. particularly feel the support spreading through the body, up the body and down the body. That flow of support from the seat in the ground, supporting the body to lengthen and rise up. and also to open and soften. So we're gently inviting awareness to open out through the body and exploring that balance of uprightness and ease in the body space.
with that movement up, the lengthening of the body. You feel the strength and support at the back of the body. And just really gently leaning into that, resting back into the strength, the support, presence of the whole back of the body. So feel and open to the softness, the openness of the front of the body. So strength, support, steadiness in the back of the body, uprightness an openness, softness, gentleness in the front of the body. Tuning into both. back and soft front, connecting us to our humanity, both our strength and our fragility and vulnerability. Awareness soft and open, spread through the whole of the body. And the breath flowing through the whole space of the body, moving through the whole space of the body. Softening and opening the body space with the breathing, with awareness. wide through the body, filling up the whole body, the breath also, filling up the body space, moving through the body space, softening, opening, supported by the steadiness of contact with the seat in the ground and by the strength and the uprightness of the back of the body. 
पूर्ण आते हैं to invite you now to bring into awareness, invite into awareness someone whom you care about, that you know is going through some degree of difficulty right now, encouraging you to not pick the most challenging, overwhelming situation, just someone that you care about. And you know they're going through some difficulty right now, some challenge. We're just going to open the space and allow, invite someone to arise into the space of awareness. No need to rush. Just take your time, see who arises who comes into the space. Might be a person, might be a different kind of being, a non-human being. Just opening and holding them in awareness. Might be an actual visual image of that person or being. Might be just a sense of them. Allowing it to arise. Holding them in the space of awareness, softening and opening with their presence. And really finding your pace with this. Going slowly. Feeling the response of the heart, perhaps that very immediate wish to reach out and comfort. Very immediate response. To reach out and comfort, to offer support. And let that flow, allow that flow to happen. Just that wish to comfort, to bring care. Let it flow towards around the other being. Let it fill and saturate the space of awareness. Whole space of awareness, tender, caring, compassionate. So this may be enough of a practice at this point, just 
opening to this other being. Maybe noticing the pull into the story and just staying steady with the knowing. Things aren't easy right now. Holding in awareness. Feeling that movement of compassion and allowing it. Feeling that intention to offer care, to hold in tenderness. Just letting that flow. Fill up the space of awareness. Hold the other being in that intention, in that movement of compassion and care. Sometimes it can be helpful to play with the imagery or the felt sense here. As if you're bathing, awareness is bathed in compassion and this other person or being held in awareness, also bathed in compassion, held in tenderness, cocooned in care. Finding your own rhythm and your own way here. Sometimes we need more detail, sometimes less. What supports that intention of compassion? Some of us, it may be phrases or words. May you be held in tenderness. May you be supported. May your suffering ease. I'm going to give you a few minutes to just explore for yourself what's, what's helpful to keep this intention alive, to keep this flow of compassion for another. As much as possible, you know, feeling that space of compassion in you, within awareness, within the field of your own body.
the mind wanders or moves away, we gently bring it back into the body. Tune into awareness in the body again, wide and open and soft. reconnecting to this person or being that we care for. And to compassion as it arises as an intention or a feeling in us. We know that there's some difficulty or challenge in their life. Holding them in tender care, letting the space of awareness be filled and saturated with compassion and care. Keeping this person or being in awareness is gently expanding our field to include others who are facing a similar situation, similar challenge or difficulty as our friend or loved one. Knowing there's countless others going through something very similar and we don't need to know them don't they need to know their names, faces, identities to know that this kind of challenge is there for many and so we can expand the space of awareness to hold them all Feel that tenderness and care. To soften and to open and to allow the flow of compassion to move through us. To fill the space of awareness. To bathe the space of awareness in our own body and to bathe all these other beings in tenderness and care and compassion holding and surrounding and care and compassion
And again, if the phrases are helpful, we can use phrases or sentences. May you be supported. May you be held in tenderness. May your suffering ease and diminish. gently expand even further. Opening out this space of compassionate awareness. To all beings everywhere, including ourselves, each of us. Holding all of us in awareness, all those beings tender, precious, sensitive, all vulnerable in our aliveness, all of us known moments, situations, times of difficulty and challenge. Opening and expanding that field of awareness, holding all beings, including ourselves, in tenderness and care. If it feels too much, sometimes it feels too much, gets too abstract, we just stay where it feels connected. Ourselves just uh, are the easy person we started off with, or no smaller group of beings, maybe everyone here in the hall. Connecting opening and softening. Holding in tenderness and care. Letting compassion fill the space of awareness, permeate and suffuse the space of awareness. 
bathe us all in compassion in care be supported and held in tenderness and we find ease with the challenges and difficulties of our lives Resting into that space of compassion. Softening into that space of compassion. Held. in that space of compassion all be held in compassion and tenderness. May we all find support in times of challenge. And may we all be free from suffering and its causes. Please take your time.
to transition from the practice. No rush. Don't need to stop at all if you wish to carry on practicing. Keep that thread of compassion and tenderness as we transition, when we transition, as we maybe open the eyes or move the body. a few words about Dana this point at our time together. Dana is also a, a movement of compassion, mm. movement of compassion towards ourselves and towards the many. Mm. Mm. What is valuable and precious to us and what we'd like to share, what we'd like to support in the world. And so these offerings of the online Dharma Hall are very much offered in that way. There's no subscription cost or charge. It's just come and be welcome. And then the opportunity to support, to support this, to, to carry on, to support Gaia House is offering this to us and to support the teachers like myself. And so, yeah, if you feel moved and able, this is a really important and beautiful practice mm. to, to take part in and it's, uh, yeah, very cool to, um, to our practice together and to our path, mm. the practice of dana, not the Buddha. One of his famous quotes, you know, if you knew what I knew about dana, you wouldn't let a single meal go by without sharing it. That's pretty powerful. You wouldn't let a single meal go by without sharing it. And we can imagine, what would it be to live knowing that every meal we take, we're sharing in some way with others. So very much about sharing and supporting each other. So there's the possibility to support Gaia House and there's a possibility to support me for the teachings. I'm going to put the links to both of those in the in the chat. They're just there right now. First link is to the Gaia House support page. You can offer Dana to Gaia House there. You can also offer Dana to me through that page if that's what you prefer to do. Or you can offer Dana directly to me through the second link, through dependentorigination.org, which is um, Nathan and my website. Yeah, thank you for for any support that that is offered in that way, and for your support in being here.
So I'd like to offer some reflections on uh, the practice that we just did. and on the theme of compassion and there's very uh, there's many many things to say you know about compassion as an attitude we can uh, really nourish and strengthen in ourselves and um, as a practice um, but one thing I'll say about compassion along with its sisters you know it's part of a group of four sisters metta you know kindness goodwill compassion, mudita, unselfish joy and equanimity is that they all have this immeasurable quality in the tradition they're called the immeasurables they open us up, they widen our perspective on life from the more personal to uh, the wider personal I would say (laughs) from our idea of the personal being about me to uh, a kind of a deeper and deeper sense that actually it's about us yeah. and us doesn't stop with human beings either okay I would even argue whether it only stops with sentient beings which is the traditional approach yeah. I can see a few friends here who I know share my deep friendship with trees <laughs> so yeah really kind of opens us up and brings our, our a question you know where 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 does us stop where does this um, sense of care stop and so beyond the personal yeah beyond uh, who I like yeah beyond what I like beyond a sense of a more um, separate and you know sense of a separate and um, seemingly independent self to one that is much wider and more open and I also really like this sense of calling the Brahma Viharas these four sisters calling them immeasurable because I find that they're also immeasurable because they're always applicable <laughs> you know like just I dare you show me a situation where compassion isn't relevant it might be compassion you know to yourself it might be compassion to another there's always it's always relevant always applicable and so we can both kind of tune in get to know compassion as it arises naturally and we can also cultivate it intentionally something that we practice, something that we train in. And in the in the suttas, in the Buddhist texts, there's two different words in Pali that get translated as compassion, into English as compassion, and, and this is quite significant. Um, one of the words the which actually um, appears more frequently yeah, in Pali's Anukampa and it actually um, means it's closer in meaning to empathy yeah, than what we would call compassion so it literally means the quivering of the heart yeah, the quivering of the heart um, in response to another's suffering yeah, it literally means that so that sense of empathy, that capacity to feel with mm-hmm. 
feel with another. The second word, um, karuna, yeah, also translated as compassion, um, includes this capacity for empathy, yeah, feeling suffering of another, um, but it comes with, uh, it actually has an active component in the word, yeah, kara is action in the karuna. Yeah. So it comes with that movement, that intention that we touched on yeah, in this meditation just now, that intention to comfort, that wish to alleviate suffering, yeah, to act. So it's quite an active form of compassion. And I just want to say both these aspects are important. Yeah, I differentiate between them because I feel like that differentiation is really helpful and again, really interesting. You know, the Buddhist texts did this over 2000 years ago and psychological research today also makes this distinction between compassion and empathy. Yeah. I just haven't gotten the language straight, so they're often used interchangeably. <laughs> It can be quite difficult. I've read articles which are trying to make order in that. You know, what do you mean? Anyway, so both really important. Our capacity to feel empathy, yeah, to open, yeah, and to stay steady with the challenges and the difficulties and the pain and the suffering in life. Yeah, whether it's happening in here or it's happening uh, for someone else. Yeah, and our uh, availability yeah, to feel that movement that wants to alleviate, that feels that hand that reaches out, yeah. which comes also or can be supported by a confidence yeah, that we have the capacity to do that. Yeah. Or another way of saying it, that what we do matters, that it has meaning. So I'm going to speak more about karuna, yeah, I spoke of compassion as part of the, the four Brahma Viharas or the immeasurables, that's karuna, that's that second word that has a little bit more of that movement to alleviate, movement to act in the world. Um, and it's very intertwined with wisdom, yeah, with liberating wisdom. Yeah, it's really important to, to acknowledge that and to see that. Compassion and wisdom support each other. Yeah, and we can see that. Yeah, we we sometimes can see um, particular patterns that arise for us when, yeah, when we're moved by compassion, or when we open to compassion, or when we want to act compassionately. Yeah, we might see particular patterns like, um, you know, actually that we're moved to do something because it's too difficult for us to stay present. Yeah, it's too uncomfortable to stay present with distress or difficulty or challenge. Yeah, both in ourselves, we know that, you know. It hurts. Yeah. I want to do something about it so that I can get away from it. Yeah. And in others or outside around us. And so Dharma teachings are asking us to, to kind of really look at this and to explore and to be willing. Yeah, both to develop the capacity to stay steady with the painful, to develop the, the sensitivity to feel that movement that wishes to alleviate, to develop the wisdom yeah, to distinguish you know, what's, what's, what's acting right now. 
Now what's moving through me right now? What's skillful right now? What's appropriate right now? There's this teacher I I don't actually like to quote, (laughs) Chogyam Trungpa, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make a um, I have an issue with his ethics, (laughs) so I don't like to quote him, even though he also said many wise things. Um, But I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna quote one quote today. He just you know as he said it so well. He said we need to discern between compassion and idiot compassion. important discernment and what's idiot compassion is when we just pacify yeah it's like giving a you know a screaming toddler giving them the the sweets that they're demanding because you know they're unhappy right now because they're not getting those sweets yeah that's idiot compassion is we're not looking we're not bringing wisdom to the situation and in many ways we're acting um, and I have six nieces and nephews I don't have children I have six ne- ne- nieces and nephews, so I've seen these situations a lot. It's really, really uncomfortable <laughs> to be around the distress of a young child or an older child also. Mm-hmm. Really uncomfortable. You really just want to make it go away somehow. Mm-hmm. So often it's more our own distress that we might even be trying to, to um, pacify than the child's. So we kind of, this is where, you know, we really bring wisdom and we look and we see yeah. what's, what's really, you know, what's going on. Yeah, and this is partly why compassion is also a wisdom practice, because it shows us. Yeah. And this reminds me of um, a few years ago, there was a really big thing in the UK. Um, so the councils had really big um, publicity around... Um, yeah, I feel embarrassed even quoting this, but never mind. Don't give anything to homeless people. Yeah. Just donate to charity. They had huge publicity campaigns around this. Yeah, don't give anything to. I hope nobody's here <laughs> who had a part in those campaigns anyway. Um, I'm 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 sorry if I if I'm offending anyone. Um, so really big publicity campaigns around this. Yeah, don't give anything to charity. Don't give anything directly to a homeless person. Just give to homeless and charities, or to charities who support homeless people. And um, and and for me, I mean, right now the situation is absolutely you know horrific. I think with homelessness in in probably most places where we live. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really bad then as well, <laughs> and. It was just like, what? You know? Yeah, we need to look. Yeah? We need to look at this. Yeah? And we each need to make our own choice. Because these situations are complex. Yeah? They're complex. We really need to look at this. Yeah. So, you know, I have uh, had a, a habit when I was still in the UK and still moving around quite a lot. Yeah. So, you know, always, yeah, always making, making sure I had time or, or whenever I could. When I was in a big city and I knew there's always homeless people around train stations, right? So taking time to go and talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Taking time to ask if they needed a drink or something to eat. Mm-hmm. Asking them what they want. <laughs> 
-hmm. So, you know, of course, that's not going to solve the issues of homelessness. And yet, yeah, what does that do? Yeah, it creates some human contact, which is also really important. It gives me information about people. So compassion is a really powerful practice because, you know, just exactly because it's not always comfortable. I actually didn't mean to say any of this, going off script completely. But it, it, because sometimes of the discomfort, I don't know what to do. Okay. Life is complicated and it's challenging. It's really complex, whether we're just looking at this body, heart, mind, or we're looking at our societies. Oh, to this, you know, with a wish to cultivate compassion and wisdom. And I can start to, to uh, have tools, yeah, through our practice. It's, in, it's actually quite interesting how similar it is. Mm-hmm. I can feel when I'm just trying to get rid of something because it's uncomfortable, when I'm just get, trying to pacify the screaming toddler when I'm just trying to do something so that I don't feel guilty about perhaps my own privilege I'm speaking for myself yeah. I can start to notice when I'm doing that because there'll be contraction yeah. there'll be contraction in the being and that's quite different to, to a sense of space yeah. that compassion brings So we can feel that, yeah, we can feel, we can get to know, you know, what's feeling this? Is there wisdom and compassion here? Or is there something else? Am I willing to meet the discomfort of not knowing? Am I willing to meet the discomfort of what's painful so that I can learn, so I can transform? Am I willing to take chances (laughs) to do what feels right? Yeah. To do what feels right. To reach out. To care. The tradition has this beautiful um, teaching on all these four sisters, all the Brahma Viharas, and they're far enemies and they're near enemies, and it's really beautiful. Yeah. So there's meta, the sense of um, goodwill, friendship, loving kindness, and um, the far enemy, the opposite of meta, is hatred. That's <laughs> you know, quite obvious to us. Yeah. But the near enemy is a love that's got demand in it, yeah. not unconditional, but demand, attachment. I love you as long as you're like me, as long as you're like me. I'll give an example, an extreme example of this, but here in Israel right now, things are getting really divisive around vaccinations. This may be going on in other countries as well, I don't know. But they're getting really divisive, and people are actually saying, you know, I can't feel meta, I can't feel friendship towards people who are getting vaccinated or to people who are refusing to get vaccinated. It's that divisive. Mm. 
And we can see that's not healthy. <laughs> it's just a different view. So being so attached, you need to be, and this is friends even, you know, families. You need to be like me. Yeah. For there to be love. So the far enemy of compassion, the polar opposite of compassion is cruelty. Yeah. And the near enemy, this is really interesting, is pity. Yeah. The differentiation between compassion and pity. Compassion connects. Yeah. And pity, um, the word pity here, the, the meaning is um, in the sense of separation. I feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. That sense of, of of separation, of keeping at bay. Yeah. Just go back to the example of a homeless person. I'm just going to give you some money, but I'm not going to look at you. Mm-hmm. That sense of um, of separation. And you know, I find these kind of really helpful yeah, because again they open up ah, what can I look at this can I be sensitive to this can I be interested in this as a way of deepening practice and becoming more compassionate and more wise and one of the things that we may find really surprising about compassion yeah. I mean, often we have this um, image of you know compassion fatigue and we can get overwhelmed actually one of the some of the psychological research nowadays just really recent when they're trying to make a clear distinction between compassion and empathy and, and the distinction is you can have empathy fatigue but you can't actually have compassion fatigue because yeah. compassion comes with wisdom yeah. and so it's not compassion fatigue that we experience Mm. It's when we, um, empathy fatigue would be when we identify, identify with the suffering of another to such a degree that we ourselves get overwhelmed. But compassion always includes, just like we did in the practice now, includes compassion for ourselves. If we're practicing compassion, we ourselves, yeah, this body, heart and mind is the vehicle for the compassion. And if we're open to it, it gets nourished in itself. And of course, the wisdom will come in here and we'll still say, okay, there's still discernment. There's still how much, when, yes. Where does the compassion need to be focused right now? When do I need to step back to replenish? That's all compassion and wisdom together. Because I see this this, this, my own body, heart and mind is a vehicle for compassion there to serve and so it needs to also be looked after can't deplete it and so compassion brings well-being yeah it's actually a practice of well-being very deep level it's nourishing So we need to remember, we need to include in this movement of compassion, opening to the way it nourishes itself and sometimes intentionally directing compassion towards ourselves, knowing when to step back. 
bringing in the understandings, the wisdom understandings of our mutuality. Of the fact that we're interconnected, that we're here together. And so if we care for this body, heart and mind, I'm doing that in order to care for others. And when I care for others, I'm doing that in order to care for this body, heart and mind. So the Dalai Lama's got this, I have no issues with quoting the Dalai Lama, by the way. Um, he's got this great, uh, great one-liner who says, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. And if you want to be happy, practice compassion. Mm. And somehow, like, he's someone that I feel is really trustworthy about happiness. <laughs> it just radiates from him. Mm. And so it's that sense of, of yeah, there's, there's well-being there. And part of our journey, part of our path is to uncover that. Yeah? Not to say, okay, you know, the Dalai Lama says it, therefore I should do it. Yeah? But to explore. Yeah? To explore for ourselves, to explore in our own experience. How do we nourish this? You know, for some of us, a huge part of the, of the journey is self-compassion. Yeah? Really big, big part. Mm. Often, like, how do we even do that in our culture? For so many of us, that's it's such a it's such a um, yeah unknown territory. How do I even do that? That's a great question. <laughs> mm. Can we bring interest? Can we explore? Can we find ways? And see what works. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. Maybe I'll end with, you know, within the intentions at the beginning. I always feel with, with, you know, when I ask for the intentions, I always kind of feel, wow, it's like, you know, I don't, it's so amazing. I don't need to kind of plant (laughs) a secret agent amongst you to put in what, you know, something that I want to hear. It always comes up, you know. Someone, someone wrote compassion and joy. And so this is what the what the Dalai Lama is also pointing to. Compassion and joy uh, really support each other. When we open more to the painful, the difficult in in the world, in life, Um, actually our capacity for joy also increases. And when we open more to joy, to appreciation, to gratitude, our capacity to be with the difficult, to stay sensitive and steady with the challenging also grows. I wish we were taught that <laughs> when we were two years old yeah. and in schools, you know, this is so fundamental. Yeah. It's open to compassion and the range for joy increases. We open to joy, the range for compassion grows. Yeah. So we don't need to choose. It's not either or, it's actually both and both and both. And for me, you know, one of the strongest experiences of this is um, is an Ananda one in the leprosy community and in India that I speak a lot of and I see a few friends here that have been there with us yeah. and it's so alive there uh, the founder Baba Amta used to call it a rainbow in tears <laughs> something glorious and beautiful like a rainbow that's made up of you know suffering yeah. tears 
along the joy, along with the joy, along with the joy. Certainly, you know, my experience there over the years has really been that, you know, that the heart breaks again and again. And sometimes it's like, you know, 20 times a day it feels like my heart breaks. And yet that breaking of the heart in the right conditions, held in compassion and in wisdom, allows the heart to grow. So it's not just breaking, it's not falling apart, it's just that the teacher Stephen Levine used to say, the, the armoring of the heart is what breaks. And when the armoring breaks, the heart itself can expand. Yeah. And it grows bigger. Bigger in its capacity to feel joy. Bigger in its capacity to feel compassion. Bigger in its capacity to be alive. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Maybe um, we'll just take a moment of silence together and then we'll open to questions and reflections. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.